You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest Spotlight episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick. I am not with Chris Whittingham because Chris Whittingham did not make the trip to Las Vegas. He's got uh, hard cider to drink back in South Florida. So he hung out back there. I am in Las Vegas this weekend. I got a chance to catch up with a couple of people out here. We're going to bring you a special boxing episode. And obviously, we want you to check out our boxing podcast on the network, Out for the Count with Vic Bermudez and Armando Alvarez. Just put out an episode this week. So make sure you check that out. You can also check out their podcast on fivereasonssports.com. We're going to be expanding that pod quite a bit uh, and also doing some MMA on there as well. But we're out here for the Canelo Jacobs fight. I come to you from the media center in the MGM Grand. The fight is at the T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night, Saturday night. Um, So make sure that you catch that. But what we wanted to get into, I want to get into a couple of things today. And one of the topics I want to get into here with not just Vic Bermudez, but also a longtime friend, Peter Kahn, who manages a ton of fighters, a lot of them out of South Florida, uh, been in the fight game a long time. I met Peter actually when he was working for Don King in Deerfield Beach. So that's how far back we go. He knows Vic as well. What I want to get into before we get in, I want to talk to you about some of your fighters too as we go forward. But what I want to get into for sure here is kind of the idea of star power in boxing right now. And because there are certain fighters that seem like they have a natural pull that you know you're going to sell out the arena. And you have others where it's close. So where is Canelo right now, Vic? I think Canelo is the star power in boxing. He is the pay-per-view king at the moment when Floyd Mayweather vacated that, that position. Canelo is that guy. And it's not, it's not on Canelo. It's just the opposition. That's where it comes in. That's why you have a fight tomorrow that is not sold out. Because people, yeah, sure, they want to see Canelo. But... At some point, you know, it's okay. I'd just rather stay at home and watch this fight instead of wasting the money, traveling to Vegas and buying the ticket, having to pay whatever it is to sit lower bore or even in the upper section. He is at star power. He does hold that that reign. He is the pay-per-view king or in this sense, the, the zone, which is going to be on, on the app that you can download and, and pay $9.99 a month. And it's, it's a bargain, but it's just not, it doesn't fall on just one guy. You, you need two to dance. And you know, Floyd Mayweather had a bunch of fights where they weren't sold out because, you know, it was just, hey, Floyd's going to run through this guy or it's going to be a unanimous decision. So he does have the star power. Canelo does. Um, he is that guy at the moment that everybody wants to see. Everybody, you know, wants to. It, it's one of those fights. that it, Hey, there's two fight, two dates in boxing. It's always Cinco de Mayo weekend and Mexican independence in September, around September 15th or so. If you own those two dates, they used to belong to, to Chavez for a long time. Mayweather fought th- on those dates. Canelo has those dates at the moment. So that he is that star power. If you have those dates, you are the, the star power that you were alluding to, and you are that the, the main attraction in boxing. Yeah, and that's a little why I was surprised that this wasn't sold out because it is Cinco de Mayo. Um, and it does, I know, a lot of times come down uh, – to opponent. I'm going to take you all the way back before we get into some current fighters, because obviously when you worked for Don for all those years, he had the highest profile fighters you could possibly have. Where is, in your view, the fight game right now in terms of stars being able to attract 
as compared to where it was. What year were you, what years were you working for Don? Uh, started in 1994. I was 22 years old. God, that must've been quite a day. Oh, you know what? I, we're going to save because I want at least one Don King story before we go here. But how, how does it compare to 1990? I mean, you're talking 25 years at this point. Well, I think that you have to look at so many different factors. And I talk about this all the time. In 1994, when I started with Don King, and then let's just cut to August of 1995, Tyson McNeely, which was here at the MGM Grand. And that show was just, that was a massive show. There was no internet. There was no social media. There were no smartphones. That was it. You, you had to rely on the print media. You had to rely on the promotion that was taking place at the time. Remember, Don had to deal with Showtime. It was the Showtime pay-per-view. And, you know, the media center back then was packed. It was a buzz because guys were meeting deadlines because everything was going to the, to the newspaper. There was no internet to even be had to be to, to do this. So it was, it was a, an interesting time. Um, and I think that back then, I think that uh, uh, the difference was is that, um, you know, you had these bigger-than-life stars. Uh, you had a Mike Tyson. You still had a Julio Cesar Chavez. Um, you know, uh, they were just, you know, uh, uh, it was a different era. I mean, you had Felix, uh, you had, uh, Felix Trinidad coming up. Oscar De La Hoya, you know, came out in 92. Uh, he was huge. Um, and I think there are a lot of great fighters like that today as well. Uh, I just think that the combat sport landscape has also changed. There was no competition. You didn't have mixed martial arts. There was no UFC. Uh, if you were a combat sports fan, it was really, it was boxing. Uh, and also you didn't have the amount of cable channels you have today. You didn't have streaming that you have today. So when those big fights came to town, that was the big show. And uh, you didn't even, I mean, there was no such thing as how Top Rank has 54 dates per year and how... Uh, you know, now Matchroom has their shows with DAZN and uh, even Golden Boy with DAZN. Uh, you just, just didn't exist. If you talk about Star Power and we say Canelo is the guy right now, where does he fit in sort of the all-time canon? Like, where, like, what kind of impact has he made? Where, where can you rank him in his weight class? Um, you want to go just by, by weight class. You would just go general in, in boxing itself. Um, it, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't think he cracks the top 10, to be honest with you. I'm a big Canelo fan, fr friendly with Golden Boy, with Canelo himself, visit, visit with him numerous times throughout the year. But I don't see that. I mean, it's, a, it's not a Mike Tyson. He, he's never going to be an Oscar De La Hoya. There will never be another Oscar De La Hoya. There's no boxer in history that will ever have women throwing their bras and underwear at them while he's at a weigh-in or on stage. We're never going to see that again. Floyd Mayweather clearly was hated, so you tuned in because you wanted to see him lose. Floyd, you either loved or hated. Um, Canelo doesn't have that. Canelo has, it's the in-between. You don't necessarily love him over the top as you did a Tyson or a De La Hoya, but you don't necessarily hate him either, so he's just entertaining. So to that point, I would say that you can also compare him to like a Miguel Cotto. He was the same type of guy, excellent fighter, uh, multi-division champion, uh, just an exciting fighter to watch. But here's the other thing, and people can say what they want, but if you don't connect to the English-speaking U.S. audience, you're going to miss a certain segment of fan base. And it's not to say, and I understand Canelo's point of view, uh, he speaks Spanish. That's his language. He may not, might not feel that he has to be compelled to speak English. And when, now that when you're making $36 million a fight, how much more money are you going to make speaking English? Yeah, I do think that is a problem. That, that's something I speak to the fighters all the time. Same thing happened with Felix Trinidad. He refused to learn the English language, so he never got to the star power that Oscar did. Oscar obviously fought for the Olympics, won a gold medal for the U.S., 
but it's very important that these guys understand biggest fight to be made is in Las Vegas. It's not in Mexico. I understand the star power and the sellouts and the stadiums that get sold out, the venues in, in London. I get all that. But if you want to make it in the sport, you're fighting in Las Vegas on two dates a year, and you're able to relate to the American. Uh, you know, it's very rare you see a Julio Cesar Chavez type. To be able to speak the English language and, and be relatable with these guys. And, and that's just something, you know, kind of come a long way. He's understanding the English language now. He doesn't need someone to translate the questions for him, but he's still struggling. He's not to the point where he can answer those on himself. And maybe that's holding him back a little bit. Yeah, but to Peter's point, when you're making that kind of money, what does it matter, right? And, and so, you know, you're sort of too late in the game. I want to get to two guys who did translate and are still fighting, I think, right? Like, I, I covered Manny's fight against Bradley out here, which was supposedly the last fight, and walked out of that fight and said he's fighting again. And he keeps fighting. Um, Floyd, I mean, <laughs> where does he go from here? What is the future for the two of them? And in their own way, how replaceable are the two of them as we go forward? So I can give you some insight into this only because I've had uh, an attachment to Manny's camp over the past two years. Uh, one of my um, contenders, uh, George Cambosis Jr., who's a uh, top five lightweight uh, in the world, has been Manny's chief sparring partner for Manny's last three fights. So George has been in camp with him for the Jeff Horn fight, the Lucas Matisse fight, and for the Broner fight. And then George has fought on those cards. So, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time with Manny around his camp. Uh, and look, Manny's 40 years old, but Manny's still winning. And people can say what they want. I don't think he trained properly for the Jeff Horn fight. Otherwise, he would have beaten Jeff Horn. He stopped Lucas Matisse. Even though Matisse was on the tail end of his career, he still went out there. And people, some people are actually giving Matisse a chance to win. And then if you were here on January 19th, he completely outworked, outclassed, outboxed, outpower shot, you name it, to Adrian Broner. So in, in the landscape of boxing, yes, Manny's in, in the final act. Manny knows that. Everybody knows that. But he's been chasing this ghost of a Floyd Mayweather rematch. So to get to the second part of your question, Floyd Mayweather is retired. Floyd Mayweather is not going to come back out and fight. But Manny needed somebody to help take care of that tax issue that he had so he could fight back in the United States. That's why he went to Australia. Then he went to Malaysia. I was in Kuala Lumpur for that fight. Um, and then he said, you know what, let me make my deal with PBC because that would have given him that they gave him that dangling carrot of, of Floyd Mayweather. Then he fights, um, Broner. Now he's fighting Keith. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Thurman, although they haven't announced that he's fighting Keith Thurman July 20th, maybe they're waiting until this fight's over so that it doesn't, you know, so it kind of maximizes the, the you know, the impact of the announcement. 
And then you have Errol Spence fighting uh, Sean Porter, and then you would think that the winner of those fights will fight each other. So there is a, a you know, they kind of do have it mapped out for Manny, but Manny takes care of himself. Manny trains hard. And he, I think Manny's going to fight until he knows it's just, there's just nothing there. But as far as Floyd goes, Floyd hasn't had a competitive fight since, was it um, McGregor, Andre Berto, right? And then McGregor? That wasn't competitive. He really hasn't had a, a competitive fight um, since the Argentinian. Um, now his Maidana. That that's Marcos Maidana was his last and, the, and fight one, not fight two, not the rematch. That was the last competitive fight Floyd has had. And, and to your point, the reason why Manny Pacquiao can continue to fight at this age is because a fifty percent Manny Pacquiao at this age is still better than a lot of the top welterweights. He's better than a Danny Garcia. He's better than a Sean Porter. He, the, the only ones that I think would actually give him problems at the welterweight division is a Terrence Crawford because that's a once-in-a-lifetime talent and maybe an Errol Spence Jr. because of the, the youth. So I wrote something last week in Forbes, which was, uh, I think the headline was, why Keith Thurman is going to have problems preparing for Manny Pacquiao. And, you know, the headline was meant, obviously, for people to be like, what's this guy talking about? But think about it. Where's Keith going to find a five foot six southpaw with a 67 inch reach at 147? Trevante Davis, that would be his dream sparring partner. Other than that, where are you going to? And um, we've all seen Manny's calves. They're like, they're like, they're like, I don't know what they're like. They're, I've never seen anything like that before. His, he still has the power. And I asked, I asked the, the, my own fighter and he says, Manny still has it. Manny's fast. That's Manny's fast. He's still quick. He still has the power. He still hits from all angles. He's still competitive. If you're still winning against guys like Broner, Matisse, and now he's going to fight Thurman, uh, then why would you stop? Let's go to the other end of the spectrum here to close. And then before we get to a couple of Peter's fighters here, who is the young fighter, Vic, that you are most excited about right now? Terrence Crawford. To me, is, I, Terrence Crawford to me is a special talent. I, I, I like, there's a bunch of few other guys. Uh, but to me, Terrence Crawford is that one guy that is, it seems like it's a special type of fighter. You're watching something that, that doesn't come around often. Um, Lomachenko has some of that as well because of, you know, the, the background, the amateur pedigree and how great he looks in the ring, uh, making his, his opponents look foolish. But, and, and Terrence Crawford has, has, you know, been around for a while now. It's not, not safe to say up and coming because he's, you know, one title is at 140 and now is doing well at 147 but he's the one that to me is that next pay-per-view guy like you need you need to watch Terrence Crawford when he's in the ring because it's something special so to Vic's point yes I mean as current fighters Terrence Crawford but there's a whole crop of guys Errol Spence you know junior uh but in my opinion talking about what we were talking about whereas why is this and I want to touch on two points number one We'll talk. I want to go back to the first thing you said is why is this not sold out and why is this not resonating like it should be? But Tiafimo Lopez is a guy that has the potential to be that superstar uh, type of fighter because he's the kind of guy that can deliver in the ring and he just has that aura about him where he could draw people in and he might end up being that guy that half the people are going to tune in to watch him win, half are going to tune in to watch, watch him lose. And he's just, he's entertaining, he's brash, he's uh been walking through guys uh he's you know been performing so far and um he's you know probably somebody that has the potential to have legit star power now getting back to this fight as to why uh people have been asking why has the buzz been a little flat why doesn't it seem to have as much uh, uh interest around it and one of the things is this you know the zone's going to go through growing pains they don't have the luxury of a network like espn or fox or showtime 
who has a big partner behind them where they can do, you know, different types of promotion. They can put them on morning shows. They can utilize in the middle of the NBA playoffs where they can have ads promoting or, or people, you know, where they can, like I said, they can take them around. They don't have those types of partners. Like even Showtime has with CBS or uh, even like Fox has. I mean, there, there's, there's that element that they don't have. And really all they have is the amount of subscribers that they have and really the other content that they have on there where you can probably try to cross market. And I would say right now, a lot of people are just tuning in on fight night and then they don't tune back in because they're still in that process of growing, growing, you know, an audience. One of the things you mentioned there about fighters and being polarizing is we're seeing the same thing in the NBA playoffs right now. I think the NBA playoffs are desperately missing LeBron James and, and you see it in the ratings because, uh, you know, you can say Giannis or Kawhi, Harden is polarizing, but you can say that Giannis or Kawhi or Curry or even to a certain extent Durant are worth watching but people don't get in their feelings about them and they get in their feelings about LeBron and they have for years and years and years. And if you look at the ratings right now, I think you're seeing that you need sports need a, you know, Tom Brady is polarizing for weird reasons, but he's still polarizing. You know, you need polarizing athletes at the top. And, and I just, I agree. I think Floyd was polarizing. And so you had to watch Floyd, whether you liked him or you didn't like. And that's, that's the brilliance of Floyd Mayweather because does anybody remember Pretty Boy Floyd? I, I do because I loved boxing and I was watching him make his debut on the ESPN 2 Friday Night Fights. But no one remembers Pretty Boy Floyd. No one remembers when Pretty Boy Floyd was knocking guys out and his knockout ratio was pretty high up there. But it wasn't until De La Hoya comes around, fights on Cinco de Mayo, comes out with the Mexican hat. The Mexican fans start to hate him. He becomes this guy named Money Mayweather. And all of a sudden, he's burning money in nightclubs, and you just love to hate him. And he figures, hey, so no one liked me when I was smiling and being nice to people, being called pretty boy. But when I become this bad villain, now all of a sudden, it's like LeBron when he goes to Miami. So it's, it's similar. These guys tend to pick up on things. Teofimo Lopez is up and coming and is getting a lot of recognition because he's knocking guys out and then doing Fortnite dances in their faces. And that's getting the recognition of, of the young audience. And people are saying, oh, wow, look at this guy making fun of, it, of the opponents after he's not knocked them out, laid out on the floor. So you don't have a lot of guys like that. Canelo's way too kind. Uh, Jacobs is way too nice. What we saw today at the faceoff is not in their characters. It's very out of, you know, their, their mannerisms. So there's that lacking in the sport right now. You don't have those polarizing figures like we've had in the past. Yeah, it's the difference between people going out to watch Terrell Owens or going to watch Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne, right? Like it's just, I mean, you know, T.O., Randy Moss, there's certain athletes that are going to get the attention, A-Rod, and they're going to be everywhere. And when you don't have those guys, Major League Baseball, like, does not have them. Bryce Harper a little bit. But Mike Trout is not. Okay, other guys that they have at the top of the game. So certainly need that. want to close here with Peter getting an opportunity to talk about some of the fighters. You mentioned uh, one of them. But, but who do you have kind of in the stable right now? Who are you most excited about? So right now I have, uh, I have a, a stable of, you know, I'm in a cycle where all my guys are contenders. Uh, most, most of my guys are top 10 world-rated contenders. Um, I have uh, four guys with top rank, two guys with Develop Entertainment, um, I have one independent who just fought for a world title uh, against Jaime Munguia, who's with Golden Boy um, for the WBO Junior Middleweight title. It's a whole other story. I'm not going to get into the whole complaining about the, the result. You know, how Webby's are still trying to make that rematch. We'll see how that turns out before I say anything more than I've said in the media already. But um, I have uh, right now Chris Van Heerden, who's a welterweight. Uh, Chris's only loss uh, is to Errol Spence Jr. Um, he's with top rank. I have uh, uh, Saul Rodriguez 
who is undefeated. He's a super featherweight. He's with top rank. I have Andy Vences, another undefeated. Um, these guys are 22-0, 23-0. He's with top rank. Uh, he's going to be fighting uh, June 8th. Um, I have uh, uh, Emmanuel Tago, who should be the number one uh, rated lightweight come next month in the WBO. Um, and he'll be the mandatory for Lomachenko. Um, and uh, I signed the youngest fighter ever to top rank, Xander Zayas, who Vic did a, Vic did a feature. Um, he's an 11-time 11 uh, 11 Puerto Rican and USA boxing uh, national champion. The reason he's not competing for the Olympics is his birthday is 45 days short. Otherwise, he'd have to wait till 2024. Um, I might be missing, oh, Dennis Hogan, who I mentioned, um, who's, you know, I'm an advisor to Dennis, who's hopefully going to get this rematch again. Um, and then I'm, I'm always working, you know, some younger fighters and some, you know, veterans or people that are knocking on the door for world titles sometimes bring me in to help, you know, help, uh, help them either. Oh, Amir Imam, who's, uh, uh, a welterweight, you know, was a 140-pounder. Um, he, he lost to Jose Ramirez just over a year ago for the WBC title, um, but he's in a little bit of a legal issue right now, and then uh, hopefully that gets resolved one way or another, and he'll be fighting again. So I'm, like, you know, pretty much immersed uh, in in the boxing game, and so I'm out here uh, meeting with people. I don't have anyone on the card, but, uh, you know, I'm doing some other stuff behind the scenes. And all from North Broward, too, we should point out. So Peter is a South Florida guy. All right, make sure you check out uh, Out for the Count, for sure. Check out the Twitter feed, too. Out for, that's the number four, the count. Check out the latest podcast that they're putting out. Peter, what's your Twitter handle these days? It's very complicated. At Peter Kahn. <laughs> K-A-H-N. All right, so check out at Peter Kahn. And obviously, uh, we'll have more and more boxing coverage as we go forward. Thanks for joining us today. for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.